In today's episode, I am chatting with Catherine Roscoe Barr of The Life Delicious. And oh my gosh, this was such an awesome conversation. I am totally pumped up. I am so inspired. She is the perfect person to share wellness because she has, we have such an aligned philosophy on so many things, but she has such a way of presenting it. And I just keep going, yes, yes, this is awesome. Yes. I love it. I love it. And it just, I'm so excited and I am so thrilled to share her with you, to bring her to you. If you haven't already discovered all the goodness that she has. Uh, so here we go. Here is Catherine Roscoe Barr. Welcome to the Around the Campfire podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child, but I believe it also takes a village to raise a mom. I'm your host, Jillian Benke, the founder of MomCamp, and each episode I chat with busy moms who are doing awesome things in life and work. Join us for real conversation and community, because this is your village. This is the Around the Campfire podcast. Hi, Catherine, and welcome to the Around the Campfire podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Can you start by introducing yourself, who you are, who you're a mom to, what you do, whatever you'd like to share? Yes, uh, my name is Catherine Roscoe Barr, and I am the founder of a company called The Life Delicious, and I empower women to reclaim their time and rediscover wellness through writing, coaching, retreats. I do corporate workshops and keynote speeches. I have been married for almost 21 years to my very best friend. And we have a five-year-old girl who's in kindergarten and her name is Bronwyn. And we have a 13-year-old Labradoodle whose name is <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that sounds incredible. And everything you said that you do professionally is like my dream <laughs> world of all of those things. I mean, you know, I do retreats and all those pieces, but okay. that's just incredible. So how did you get started doing all of it? It's a very long and winding road. Uh, I So I have a neuroscience degree and my intention was to become a doctor. And I was really interested in gerontology, you know, how, what happens when we age mm. and how we can, you know, make the best of that journey and make it as long, as wonderful as possible. And while I was doing my degree, I started doing a lot of fitness classes and I fell in love with it. And I thought, wait a minute, if I just get my certifications, I can make money teaching right. the classes while I'm going to school. And so I did that. I became a personal trainer and a group fitness instructor. And when I graduated, I thought I really like promoting health mm -hmm. over treating disease. And so my first job out of university was as the social and fitness director at a retirement home. And I did oh, that. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was great. And it was such an amazing way to start adult life and married life to see like a real divide at the retirement home I worked at of people who took care of themselves, mm -hmm. people who did not. And my, my, you know, kind of dream couple that I aspired to be, they were 98 and 102 and they were active and fit and clever. Amazing. And they used to like cuddle and kiss and hold hands. And I thought that is going to be me when I'm a hundred. <laughs> Amazing. Did you see sort of what I've witnessed in, in retirement homes and, you know, long-term care facilities is you can see two people that are the exact same age, yes. but they look like 30 years different. It, it was like 
just foundational to what I believe and teach now to see that as a young person beginning as an adult to see like, wow, I want to look like that, Mm -hmm. not like that. What, what, what are you doing? And so, you know, a lot of what I teach now is really based on what I saw during those years. And so after I left the retirement home, I uh, worked at a lot of gyms, teaching fitness classes and personal training. And then I got really burnt out about 10 years Mm. into it. I was talking about exercise and nutrition all day long and something was missing. My clients weren't, you know, following my advice. I wasn't following my own advice. I wasn't very healthy. And what I realized after I left fitness and became a writer, a freelance writer, writing about um, fitness and food and wine and cocktails Mm -hmm. was that stress management, sleep, relationships, like that mindfulness that was missing from what I had been teaching. Mm-hmm. So as I, you know, began writing more and more, I started to really pivot back into researching how to be well. And during that time, I had a very, very difficult year in my life where I had a miscarriage and my mm-hmm. husband was hit by a car and we got kicked out of our apartment and he lost his job. And and like, it was the, the worst year ever. However, we had been practicing all of these tools that I had been gathering and we were okay. And we kind of said to each other, like, how are we okay right now? This is mm-hmm. the hardest year of, of our life. And so I realized I have to teach this stuff to people. And so I kind of reverse engineered what I'd done and made my curriculum and kind of launched myself as a wellness coach. I made up the term at the time. There was no one <laughs> certification. And I was like, I'm not a trainer. I'm not a life coach. I'm a wellness coach. And yeah. so that was, uh, 10 years ago. And I'm teaching this curriculum in many different forms. Like I said earlier, as a, uh, retreats and corporate workshops and private coaching and now group coaching. Um, and it's so rewarding and exciting and fun. And I just started working on my first book, which is going to be just based on what, what I, basically your curriculum yeah Yeah, my curriculum so I'm so grateful and blessed and um yeah it's it's a dream job that kind of took a long time to to get to its current iteration for sure I love it it's funny because we do a lot of the same healthy practices and routines and we have for at least well at least 10 years um and we sort of felt the same thing when the pandemic hit we were very, we were very lucky to not have any significant shifts for income and things like that. So the, like the foundational stuff that was sort of outside of our control stayed pretty steady. So that was a blessing, but um, like with mental health and everything, we didn't struggle as much as some people did. And I think it's because we were prioritizing health and wellness and some of those things, right. We, you know, looked at gratitude and you know, tried to focus on the things that we could control and the positive things. So it's, yeah. it does make a difference when those bumps hit you, right? Like it's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. So did your um, curriculum shift at all after motherhood? <laughs> Hugely. <And I> remember <laughs> right before I got pregnant, I was interviewed um, by a newspaper that had a, a mom's column and she was saying, you know, talk to me about your morning routine. And I was saying, well, it's two hours long. <laughs> this, that. And she, yeah, she laughed Sorry. and said, said, please, can we do this interview again? <laughs> Amazing. Become a mother. <laughs> and and um, wow, motherhood 
shook me so so hard mm. um I you know I was 39 I think when I had my daughter and so I like you know I had I had been doing adulting for a long time and um yeah it really really shook me but I think it benefited me so much as a coach because mm -hmm. I really understood, you know, what it meant to be a mother and be responsible for another human and weave that responsibility into your, into your life. And so now I, you know, really operate in what I call the flexible framework that you have rituals and routines and habits that you do mm -hmm. that can expand to two hours or contract to two minutes. Mm -hmm. So you just I said something, sorry, I'm interrupting. I feel terrible. This You just <laughs> said something though, that I thought was fascinating and so often doesn't get captured in that way is the responsibility of of being a mother weaving that responsibility into your life yeah not all of a sudden becoming a mother and that's all you do mm. and everything goes out the window of the life you had before but you've woven that responsibility into your life that is beautiful that is such a great way to look at it and to aspire to sorry please continue no, no and, <laughs> and I really you know I, I that was intentional and I, and I think when I became a mother, I hadn't been paying attention to other mothers. Mm. And I was really angry and I grieved so hard how my life changed. Mm. I was like, I can't do my two hour morning ritual anymore. Like, okay. So it was a process yeah. of, of weaving, of saying like, Hey, I know how it feels to pour all of my love and attention into myself. And it feels really good. I like who I am when yeah. I do that. But now I also need to like do that for another human. And so it was a, a real, um, you know, I felt like the healthiest, wellest, joyfulest person in the world before I had my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I went to the opposite end of the spectrum, probably the first year or two that wow. she was alive, which was devastating for me because I knew how it felt to be well. And so it was a, a really conscious <laughs> struggle to weave that in. And now mm -hmm. I really you know, that's how I look at my life. And, you know, what I was thinking about before this conversation of how I really am so passionate about helping women, especially mothers, fill their cup. Mm -hmm. Cause that was one of the, actually the biggest pieces of most helpful pieces of advice I had on my new parenting journey was from Dr. Shafali. And I was like, how does mm. one parent, this is so hard. I don't like, I wasn't paying attention. Uh, and she said, you know, if you prioritize your spiritual journey, you will be a good parent. Yes. Because you will be, you know, the best version of yourself. And so I think about that all the time, you know, when I'm doing my morning routine, I try and get up, uh, you know, a lot earlier than my daughter so that when she wakes up, I am glowing and joyful and present mm -hmm. and focused and I can, I have enough to give to her. Yeah. Because I don't like the parent or the coach or the partner or the friend I am when I'm depleted. And so mm -hmm. really prioritize filling my cup, even if it's just two minutes. And it is possible. It doesn't have to be two hours. <laughs> no, it's true. And I mean, two hours, is it feels like a luxury for a mom, right? Especially yes. with young ones, for sure. Yes. Right? I mean, but even this morning, I got up at 530 well, I woke up at 5.30. I got out of bed, but then our son needed to shower this morning. He is an almost 16-year-old boy, and I am trying <laughs> desperately to get him to shower every day. Anyways, he needed to shower, and it's also garbage day, which is one of his chores. This is a lot of information and a long, winding story. I but love it. <laughs> I, so he had to get up at 6. 
but then he wanted to have his breakfast before he got in the shower. And he's, he's quite um, rigid in his behaviors and practices. He's on the spectrum and there's a lot of things that go with that. And so he wanted to talk to me, but that was my time to just like settle into my day and, you know, do the things that I like to do. And he wanted to talk and I, I did not handle it the best way I could have, but I, cause I was so frustrated because I hadn't had just that time to myself to just kind of settle in. Right. And it's great that he wants to talk. I don't always love talking about what he wants to talk about. You know, I think that's also just motherhood, Uh, (laughs) but it makes such a difference when you have that time versus when you don't. Absolutely. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So what do you, how did you pull yourself back out? Because you had all the foundations. Yeah. Right. And a lot of moms experiencing where you were in that first year or two don't have those foundations. I know. So what did you do to sort of actually finally sort of right draw the line in the sand and pull yourself out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I thought when I became a mother. And then again, when the pandemic hit, if, yeah. if I have all the tools, I have all the tools. I, as you can see from my you know bookshelf, I read like obsessively, mm-hmm. I have multiple certifications, you know, I have a degree in neuroscience. If I'm struggling, everyone else must be. Yeah. Um, and so it was just a real, you know, okay, I have to move my body. I would prefer to go to for a run by myself, but I, but I have a child now, you know? And so it was really like, again, it was just weaving in, okay, I know how to do this. It's all about, and I teach this to all my clients. It's all about seeing life and with a lens of curiosity mm-hmm. and gentleness and anytime you can have a curious lens you always will be able to solve a problem I was just thinking that problem solving like so yes. how can I make this work as yeah. opposed to I can't make this work yeah. yeah yeah how can I make this work that question is just pivotal and so I just began to ask myself okay I know the tools how can I use them with a child you know like okay I'm gonna use her as a medicine ball while I'm squatting and you know I'm going to include her. I'm going to put her on the counter and talk to her about like, oh, smell this basil, you know, this, mm. and, you know, really include her and like, okay, now it's time to take some big, deep breaths. And, and it was just tri- figuring out how to do the things that I, gen- I'm such an introvert and I love to spend like 99% of my time alone. <laughs> and so it was figuring out how to not do those things alone and how to, how yeah. To and to be it. not alone. For 99% and nature was a huge part mm. of that we spent so much time outside like when she was little I just walked and I have a dog too I walked for hours and hours and hours a day and we played at parks and we threw rocks into the water and and um, that helped me feel more present and grounded and and grateful so I could see what a gift all of it was mm-hmm. you know, having a child and learning to be a parent. And I won't, I won't say a good parent, but like learning, you know, learning to be a good parent. You well, know, you're like, still a human, right? Yeah. Like nobody's perfect at anything right away. Right. No. And, and the thing is kids come with stages, man, and every stage is different. So you're good at, you become good at one stage and then yeah. they wake up the next day this feeling like thing. a totally different thing. Yeah. I love like a rigid schedule. I just love, mm. I love everything to be exactly the same every day. And so that I, I really see, I saw it when I got my dog and he was a puppy. And now as, as I have my child, like I just see this as a, you know, as them as spiritual teachers and this mm-hmm. is a spiritual journey of trying to be more flexible and open 
uh, to whatever comes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Inclination. For sure. No, and structure <laughs> is great for kids. Right. And it's so funny. Like my son this morning, he was like, I did this last Thursday. So I've decided that every Thursday, anytime he finds something that works for himself, he decides that every week that's going to happen the same thing. So it's like the opposite for me. I'm like, that's great to have some structure, but you don't have to schedule every part of your life, you know, because he gets so fixed on it. So it's so funny how they really like they do. Every kid is different and they do teach you to sort of dodge and weave (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness so what are sort of those core tenets of your curriculum or your philosophy I have five pillars and they are mindset movement nutrition sleep and connection which is the relationship you have with yourself humans and nature so awesome that's actually very similar to the stuff I talk about sleep for me I first read Arianna Huffington's The Sleep Revolution yes and when I read that book I changed my whole my whole approach to sleep and do I sleep through the night no I am 47 years old and I have to pee at three in the morning you know that's just how life goes but um the setting myself up for good sleep and prioritizing it was a game changer. I abolished the snooze button because of that book, because when she wrote that, you know, science teaches us that your brain function can be impaired for up to four hours. Once you've dipped back into another sleep cycle, I tell everybody that, that people on this podcast have probably heard me say it 17 times because it's fascinating and I don't need any further impaired brain functions. Yeah. Yeah. Keep saying it. It's foundational. Absolutely. And, and I, I didn't, I I had always been a terrible sleeper until I built my curriculum and then I was an amazing sleeper. And when I had a newborn, Mm -hmm. I actually researched the CIA's guidelines on sleep torture, deprivation, torture. Yes. New, like, like newborns are the worst, are the worst, like, like it would be unacceptable to have the amount of sleep deprivation a new parent does, you know? (laughs) I know. And I mean, you think about women in the States, like we're very lucky if you, like if you are working full time and you have some, the opportunity to take leave like that, right. It's, it's pretty much subsidized, you know, to a certain degree in the States, they might get 12 weeks if they're lucky, depending on their employer. Right. So it's, you know, it is, it's torture. And then they're expected to go back and do their jobs exactly like they've done and them function before. With mm-hmm. Creativity and focus and presence. Yeah. It, it, it's basically an impossible task and it's, it, it has to change because it's so important. Yeah. I'm I know really passionate about sleep. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And then the other one I add in is hydration, but I'm sure that's in your nutrition piece, right? Yes. Like that's for me. I actually, so I don't know if, I I don't think I've shared this on this podcast before, but crazy aha moment just a few weeks ago, um, because I donate blood every time the open, like the window allows me to, right? Because women have to wait a certain number of weeks. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I have a little bit of a competition over who can donate the fastest and have like the fastest bleed. It's a bit ridiculous. We always text each other like eight minutes, baby. Right. And and I still hold the record, but anyways, but it's like when the room is warm, when, you know, you've had your protein, you've had something salty, you've had all these things, but, um, I, 
was talking to, I went to go get labs and I was talking to the lab technician and um, she was like, oh, it's pretty fast. You must be hydrated. And I said, oh, that does make a difference, doesn't it? She said, absolutely. Because if you're dehydrated, your blood will literally flow slower through your veins. Yes. Like no wonder you feel like crap when you're dehydrated, right? It's yeah. I teach your blood is flowing yes. slower. Yes. <laughs> it's just, and it is the thing that delivers all <laughs> the nutrients and removes all the waste. I know I teach that in my curriculum. There is a direct link between mild dehydration and mild depression. Direct. Yes. Link. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So good. Okay. So, and then I love connection because that connection to yourself and community, we talk about that at camp. That is what camp we'll have to have you yes. come and speak at camp yes. at some time. I would love to have you at mom. Camp. Oh my gosh. It would it's be amazing. On my bucket list. I know so many people who've been, and it sounds amazing. Okay. Well, we're going to make this happen. Okay. We'll talk yeah. after we stop recording because <laughs> <laughs> we can just start planning things right now, oh. but we're, we're still on a podcast. Amazing. Okay. So I have some things that I ask all of my guests. So I would love to ask you a few questions. How do you define balance for yourself and your family? Hmm. And you can tell me if that word is like, a, like whatever that brings up for you. Cause yeah. I've had a lot of different answers. I love it. I feel that balance is a, a feeling in my body. It's a visceral feeling of peace and joy. Mm. And the way that I take care of myself and my family is with that goal in mind of like, have I exercised and have I slept well and am I hydrated and have I eaten well? And in doing those things to care for myself and my family, if the feeling is of joy and peace, mm -hmm. I, know I have balance. And if I'm not, if I'm feeling anxious or depressed or, you know, impatient that I know I need to clear things off of my plate. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. I have that feeling. I love clearing things off. Just as you were saying that, in my head, it went, is my life delicious? Like taking from your business name, right? <laughs> like that word, first of all, it feels really good to say delicious, I know. but what does that mean for what a life looks like? You know, if it's a delicious life, yes. you know, I can see like, if my life doesn't feel delicious right now, something's out of balance. Like it just, um, you know, I love it. I love that. That's why I named my business that like, yeah. Delicious in the way we stretch, delicious yes. in the way we hug and kiss and eat and move and sleep. It's all, It's yeah. so good. Oh, that just like <laughs> all like came together for me in that moment. I was like, yeah, oh, I'm going to use it. Is my life feeling delicious right yes. now? So good. Okay. So I also ask people if they make time for self-care. I know you do because clearly totally. you used to take two hour morning <laughs> routines. And but I have a two hour there... evening routine too. <laughs> Amazing. So if other than the things that you've mentioned, are there other ways that you practice self-care? What are some of those two minute practices that you've mentioned? Oh, uh, I love just twisting because it really affects every joint in your body. So if you just stand with your feet, hip distance apart, knees soft, and you twist as far as you can, mm. your torso and head, that kind of just gets all the kinks and tensions out. So that's when I call it the two minute energizer. I do that a lot. Deep breathing is so key when you consciously contract and expand your diaphragm, you're activating your parasympathetic nervous system to help you feel peace and safe and joy. Um, so those are two huge things that I always do, even if I only have a minute. And then, yeah, all the other stuff I said, I try and weave it throughout my day, but my, I bookend my day with those AM PM routines that I'm very rigid about. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Do you have some, cause it can be real, like people can come in with the best intentions of doing all these practices. Do you have ways that like moms or women can 
remind themselves to do them? Like, do you set phone reminders? Like, do you have post-its all over for them? Like, what does that look like? Cause it can be like, oh yeah, I'm totally starting this new routine and I know I feel great when I do it. And then life gets in the way. So how do you help women sort of get past that? There's a, there are a few ways. Part of it is to shrink everything down. Like I said, you know, a lot of people are like, I need change and I'm going to run a marathon. And exercise <laughs> again. I'm like, no, you're not. Right. <laughs> That's impossible. You might for like eight yeah. days. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then you, when you stop, you feel like a failure mm-hmm. and then your mind gets in the way of you taking action. And so mm-hmm. my goal is to help people feel successful. And that's why I love that flexible framework. Okay, great. That's a two hour practice. What does a two minute practice look like? Mm-hmm. Have that plan A, B, C, and D. That's so critical. Cause then you can always, if you can say, check off my list, I did it. I took care of myself. If you took three deep breaths, then you mm-hmm. feel successful. So that's I think awesome. shrinking things down, having it scheduled, but a plan A, B, C, and D and, and being really flexible and gentle and curious. Why yes. I have done that. I can take three breaths. That doesn't take long. That's interesting. You know, what's going on there? Right. And then when you notice you didn't take the three deep breaths, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Every breath is a new moment to start over. And that's like part of, you know, you think about the downward spiral that we have Mm -hmm. so much power to, instead of just mindlessly watching the spiral go down at any point, we can choose to stop it and, and create an upward spiral. I love it. So good. What is the biggest lesson you have learned as a mom? Oh, wow. I learned so many lessons. My daughter has taught me so much. Um, I think just the, the value and importance, uh, the worth of doing whatever you need to do to be able to be present. Because mm. when you're present, you have access to all your wisdom and knowledge and love and patience and peace that you can deal with any situation. And your kids feel that like they feel your loving presence. So I think that's the biggest one, which isn't easy, but it's simple. Yeah. And it's doable. It's huge. And it's worth it. Yes. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not, I'm definitely not perfect, but I do try. No, but it's that reminder that it is worth it. Just take a step you know, take a beat and be present Yeah, because it might feel like this morning, it might feel frustrating. It might feel resentful. Like it might, all of those things, but it is worth it to take that beat and just have that connection time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, huge. So good. Okay. I know you have a program launching or starting in the fall. So is it open for registration now? It is open now. Okay. So tell us about that. What is that program? So it's my online women's coaching circle, which I launched after the pandemic started because I had been doing, you know, three to five wellness retreats a year. And Amazing. Was, and and the, the gathering in a circle of equal women to, to talk about our struggles and share our successes and learn how to take better care of ourselves was such an amazing format. And so that's why I call it the circle. Uh, and it's 12 women, uh, 90 minutes a week for 12 weeks. And we go through each of the five pillars that I mentioned, mindset, movement, nutrition, sleep, and connection. And then a big part of it is that we go around the circle and everybody shares what resonated most. And Mm. it's hearing 11 other people say what I said a little differently that like, it's just, it's magic. Yes. Yeah. Before we hit record, just for everybody else, we had this moment of sharing where 
what happens at camp or what happens at these retreats is when you hear somebody's experience mirroring your own experience and knowing that you're not alone in the journey, it's just so powerful because you might have been feeling like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this. This is weird. This is different. This is wrong. But to hear somebody else say it, it gives you permission and saying, it's okay that you're feeling this, right? Oh, it's huge. Oh, it's my favorite. It's my absolute favorite part of yeah. any group. Yeah, experience. mine too. Mine too. It's just, it's my favorite part. It's that first night at camp. It's just, it's yeah. goosebumps. Oh, I can't amazing. <laughs> so I will put in the show notes where they can connect to that, but share all the ways people can connect with you. My website is thelifedelicious.ca and on Instagram, I am Catherine Roscoe Barr. Those are the best two places. Perfect. Perfect. I will put those in. I am so, so grateful to be connected to you. I think what you're doing is incredible. It's awesome. I'm so inspired. It's just so good. So, so good. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, mamas, that's it for today. For more info about this episode, you can check out the show notes at momcamplife.com slash podcast. Hang out with us on Instagram at momcamplife. And if you love this episode, please share it with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in and join us next time around the campfire.